and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other it is fairway rolling on the ringer podcast network i am your starter joe house my birdie buddies what a time to be alive it is november as we record this and the calendar flipping to november means that we're gonna have a masters more major golf there's only one way for us to get down here on the fairway rolling podcast with the masters right around the corner of course our pga tour correspondent on the ground nathan hubbard is here and special guest straight out of golf digest he has a very exciting trip in front of him joel beal is on the pod the first tee is wide open let's stroll over throw a peg in the ground and get it on with the fellas my eagle enthusiasts it's fairway rolling presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. JB, how are you, pal? Great to have you on the pod. The Masters is right around the corner and you're going to it. It's, it's a week away and I already have half of my car packed for the trip. And uh, I wish I was lying, but my wife just texted me, hey, is, is that dry cleaning in your car? And I said, nope, that's, that's what I'm wearing to Augusta. So I'm, I'm already set. Cannot wait. It's a 14-hour drive. I know flying is safe right now. I just cannot chance going through LaGuardia to, to get there and then test positive. I just I can't handle it. So being safe, doing the drive down, I literally am having trouble sleeping. It's still eight, eight or nine days away from Masters Monday. So I cannot get cannot wait to get there, bud. What do you pack in your car besides the regulars of clothing to take on a road trip to Augusta? Well, first you got to have your sticks in there, just, just in case. Just in case you get the invite, right. Any invite, really. Exactly. Every polo I own, because uh, I, I am not a guy who irons my stuff before a round, so a couple of those are going to get wrinkled somewhere along the way, so I have to be packed. You have to have options, as we all know. Uh, who knows what uh, uh, Georgia's going to be in November. 
Um, then like four different pairs of golf shoes, because again, who knows when that invite's going to come. So, uh, again, I, I wish, uh, I was exaggerating any bit of this, but it's all too true. How long is that trip? What is that? Like, uh, 12, 14 hours. Yeah. Waze is telling me 14 hours as of this morning, but I, I figure if I leave around 3am on Sunday, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I should be, should be good to at least get there in 12. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we even take it back before we get on property. So. Uh, yeah, I, I know it sounds bananas, but Hey, I, and I think every golfer would do the same thing if they're in my shoes. Well, I'm counting on the adrenaline of that drive and the, and the building anticipation as each hour goes by, you will be that much closer. So, you know, several dozen miles each hour that goes by. And what are you anticipating in terms of when, when, when you land, uh, on grounds down there. I mean, obviously it's going to look and feel very, very different. Yeah. And from what we're hearing is all over the place too. Uh, a few people have told us the club has brought in trees that specifically bloom in the fall to kind of give it that nice, uh, orange, uh, orange blush. So we'll see if that's true. But, uh, from, from guys who've played it though, the past couple of weeks, it's not playing that much different than it has in April. Uh, greens are rolling about the same fairways are, are maybe holding a little bit more than they used to, but uh, I think people are going to be surprised a bit in how much this tournament actually plays like the masters we all know and love. Well, w- one thing about that JB that kind of makes sense. We are having a little bit of a warm spell here in the mid Atlantic this week right now. So from like November the second through maybe like November, the um, eighth or so, the temperatures are all sort of high 60s, even bumping into low 70s, which means it will be four degrees, five degrees warmer than that, typically down there in Augusta, which means they're going to be able to have the course in a condition that's not that dissimilar from uh, April, but the, the 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 visuals will all be um, enormously different because it's, it's going to be fall visuals rather than uh, spring visuals. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not that surprised to hear, uh, that the, the, it's sort of playing in sort of April condition. Um, I have 500 questions for you in terms of storylines and so forth, but first we have to take off our hats and, and give a tip of the hat to Brian Gay, who just won in Bermuda. (laughs) Please tell me you had Brian Gay on your dance card. Uh, if I did, I would not be uh, talking with you guys. I think he was going off at 201 on Thursday morning. So, uh, yeah, 48 years old, had not had a top 10 since this tournament last year. Uh, I mean, it's a real shame he doesn't get to play next week at Augusta. That would have been something, 48-year-old Brian Gay team. But he'll, he'll do it next year. Um, Which is and, just a handful of months away. Yeah, this, this is true. Um, yeah, what a, what a year for the uh, old guys. Tim, Stuart, Sink, Sergio at 40 years old. Uh, you know, we, we keep hearing this youth, youth revolution at, at the PGA Tour. Old guys aren't, uh, aren't done yet. Still got a little bite to them. I don't know if that uh, bodes for Augusta at all. But, uh, yeah, Brian, as someone said, didn't even know he was still playing on tour. So good, good for Gay. But what do you make of the old guy trend? Because we've been talking a lot about it here. It, the sneaky subtext to the old guy trend since the fall is that there have been some younger guys who've been in contention who we don't normally see on Sundays in some of the more well-known events in the winter and the spring. But, you know, Doc Redman was in contention uh, this week. He was in contention in Safeway. Harry Higgs was in contention in Napa. But we're seeing these, these younger guys who have had an opportunity to grab it by the throat, like, say, Sebastian Munoz did last year, 
and use it as sort of a springboard for the next year of their career. But they've kind of gotten shaky down the stretch. And then you see the old guys who are cooler customers. They've been through this before, albeit 9, 13 years ago, depending on you know who's winning this week. But, but it feels like some of that experience has trumped youth. What do you see, what do you see, A, in this trend of old guys? And, and have you been surprised that we haven't seen a sort of breakout younger star in the fall? It's a bit surprising just because if you look at the past five or six years, that has been the trend. Um, and really, I know everyone's been citing the three 40-year-olds. Martin Laird is 37 and really hadn't done much in, in five or six years. So we can kind of throw him into that. Yeah, he looks like he's 57. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, time, uh, great guy, but time has not been time has not been well to Martin Laird. Um, but no, it, I think with only eight events, it's hard to extrapolate anything of, of true meaning. Um, and these courses do tend to cater two shorter hitters for the most part, maybe Shriners is the one exception. Um, so to kind of extrapolate that any further, I, I think right now um, there's just not enough information to tell, but uh, you know, Stewart sink, that was, that was, I think the really surprising one. Um, Sergio, obviously I know he's, I think, I think people were more surprised that Sergio was 40 years old than, than anything else. But uh, no, I, I think you're going to see a lot of um, a lot more older guys playing right now, just because with this expanded season, it's going to still be hard to get chances. Um, you know, I, I did a story last year about when, once you kind of get over 40, the opportunities are very few and far between. And really the fall is the time to kind of make your move. After that, you only get a couple events, you know, Pebble Beach kind of early in the year. since a lot, a lot of big names don't like to play that. Then it may be a few events between the U S open and the open championship. Outside of that, it's very slim picking. So the fact that there are a lot of 40-year-olds, I mean, there, if you look at the fields, there are a lot of older guys um, that they're winning at a, at a higher rate right now. I, I think it's it's a bit of an aberration, but, you know, who knows? Uh, Houston this week, you know, it's got some big names, also has some guys that, you know, if you've been following PGA Tour for a while, you, you uh, haven't seen in a while. So uh, we'll see if it's anything more. But right now, I think it's more uh, of an oddity rather than any type of trend. Well, I felt bad for Wyndham Clark only because he has been playing some good golf on and off over the last year. He shot a, just a blazing round in Phoenix uh, in in February where you had a sense that maybe he was going to break out. And he, he just, it's a reminder of how hard it is to win a golf tournament. I mean, even last week uh, at the Zozo, you know, JT got shaky down the stretch and and John Rahm got shaky down the stretch. So you just wonder, it, it speaks to just how hard it is to win a golf tournament. And once you get over that hurdle a couple of times, that those guys have a little something in their back pocket they can use when they're coming down the stretch with a 26-year-old like Wyndham Clark who hasn't gotten there before. Did we learn anything about the Masters from this tournament? No, right? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Thank God. Do we even have five guys that competed in Bermuda that are playing the Masters? Are there I, even? I mean, Max Homa's going to play. I don't know who else. Yeah. We... Not, other than that, it's a pretty yeah, pretty short list. Yeah, Fred Funk did not make the make the the list. Although Fred Funk made the cut. Speaking of old guys, Nate, I just have to say for one second, we began last week's show saying which old guy are we going to pick, and somehow yeah. we seriously just need to sit down and look at a list. I know we got to spend more time on the old guys. We, we do because, like, I mean, Brian Gay is is exactly the archetype of the guy that we were looking for. Forty eight years old, hasn't won on tour in seven years. That's our kind of guy. Yeah, and probably isn't as prone to go to the beach bar in his flip flops like my pick, Charlie Hoffman. You who keep finished being BFL. ride or die for Hoffman, and he, I'm out. He, yeah, he's he's your guy. All of a I sudden, I am off the Hoffman horse forever. I thought yeah. maybe there would be some pre masters magic. It, it it was ridiculous. Horrible call by me. 
Well, you know what? That that actually means that might be a decent um, first round leader bet now. All of a sudden, that's the guy. That's my guy, Charlie Hoffman. It's going to get I don't know ten bucks first round leader. I don't think Hoffman's even in the field this year. He's oh, not. Sh- no, oh, he's not. Well, oh, there you go. Okay. But what, he what, could what, be first round leader in Houston this week just to make <laughs> up for it. That's probably a decent bet. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, Augusta and some storylines, let, let's go ahead and jump into it, JB. It's, it's, we're a little early here, but we want to start getting a feel for what people are anticipating, what's the, the, the buzz uh, on the ground. I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that I saw from your colleague Alex Myers, and that was the news today that if you hold on, if you have a ticket to the Masters, you can order for yourself online a beautiful spread of Masters Fair. The food, they are sending you a food box, a full array. If you have a ticket, you can go online. You can even order two. So I already reached out to one buddy that I know has a ticket and told him he needs to hook me up with one. But the whole thing, I mean, we're, 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 we're on a positive first step. That's a great first note as we start to figure out you know, storylines for this year's uh, 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 Masters. I was going to send you that note, but uh, I saw the package only feeds 10 to 12, and I thought that's that's not going to be enough for him. It's not enough for House. <laughs> no, no, he needs 3x the pimento cheese just to survive a Tuesday. Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? Well, you're going to have it, buddy. What are you looking at? What are, What's the early kind of buzz? We kind of touched on the fact that maybe the course is going to play reasonably close to, to April. What other kind of things are you hearing? Well, I think when we talk about storylines, there, there's really only one big storyline. That's been the storyline that's been since since the restart. That's been Bryson. Um, you know what he's been doing, and especially what he could do at Augusta National, and what that means for the game and what that means for the course going forward. It's going to have some serious ramifications, and it's going to be fascinating. And you know, talk to a few people who uh, Bryson had played a practice round a couple of days ago. And from what we heard, it went very well. Um, I think everyone wants, everyone wants to know what's going to happen on 13. He's already stated his intention to drive it into the 14th hole, which would leave about 100, 120 yards in, into the you know, most famous par five in the world. Uh, but really kind of the more interesting tidbits came on other parts of the course. Uh, first hole, for example, is weighs in around 445 yards. Allegedly, Bryson had 65 yards in off his off his drive at number one. Um, on number eight, 570 yards, most of which is uphill. He had a six iron in for his second shot. Uh, nine got it to the upslope, so that leaves about 60 yards. I think we we calculated on Google Earth that's about a 400 yard drive. And then on 18, he just blew the bunkers on the left side. That's I mean that takes a lot of bite out of that hole. Uh, so I, I know a lot of people are wondering what he's going to do at the par fives, but from what we're hearing, what he did on the, the par fours, it, it's been 60, 80 yards in almost every, every, every hole. And if you really kind of extrapolate that going forward, I know when we think of Augusta national, it's kind of the epitome of the second shot course. And Bryson's honestly one of the worst iron players out of the top 15, 20 guys in the world. I think he ranked like 119th in strokes gained approach last year. But the whole reason he's doing this essentially to, to bulk up is to take the importance out of the iron shot. He just wants a wedge in his hand, and that's what he did at wing foot, and it really eliminates the need for that 150, 160-yard shot. Um, and that happens given his improvement in putting in the past year. He, he was 10th in putting uh, on the tour last season. I think it really could live up to the hype of, of what could – every. All the worst fears and all the hopes, every, every all this, what will Bryson do? All this mania. I think it actually could come to fruition. 
he's not necessarily my pick to win, if only because it'll be I'm curious to see how he reacts to having the target on his back. I think people were really interested to see what he would do at at the PGA and the US Open. But now that he's kind of the man and he's got that major under him and guys are going after him now, it'll be interesting to see how that reacts. But I mean, he I know the odds are very, very skewed in his favor to the point. I think a lot of people are staying away from from betting him. But I think it's going to be the real deal. I think you're going to see Bryson in contention heading into the weekend. Well, and the thing about Bryson amongst the top guys the last three, four years at the Masters, he's had the worst putting performance of any of them. And so th- that is the sneaky part of his game that has gotten so much better. Uh, and as you say, his iron play hasn't been great, but his wedge play has been good. Let me ask you on the Bryson front, we have seen a lot of shenanigans from him uh, over social media over the course of the last four or five weeks, right? We saw the ridiculous video of him getting off the jet and into the Bentley SUV with the sort of quest for 215. Then there was this leak of him being filmed, like screaming at the golf ball and hitting the crap out of it that maybe was a commercial, maybe was like a cameo that somebody ordered, or maybe it was just Bryson being Bryson. What do you make of the uh, of the social media work that he's doing is it putting undue pressure on himself? Can this guy handle it? W- what are we seeing from him right now? I wouldn't call it work. I think it's performance art. At least that's what I'm hoping. There's there's no way what he is doing is serious. At least I really hope not. Um, I do think it is putting a, a bit of pressure from him, at least from his fellow tour bros. They, uh, they definitely have bought in that what he's doing is real. Um, that being said, they're not exactly thrilled uh, be asked question after question about it and stuff like this. Obviously it does make the target on the back all that much bigger, but you know, I, I think most of it is innocuous. Um, it, it's maybe they find it a little bit annoying, but I, I don't think it's also anything established by means. I think they just kind of think it's very goofy. Um, Who's liked less on tour right now by his fellow peers? Uh, you know, I, I think the guy who won this tournament two years ago uh, would, would, would qualify as that. Um, and a few other names. I, I don't think that he's, he even stated uh, in, a, in a great SI pro, uh, profile last week that he doesn't have a lot of friends on tour. I think he kind of named Kevin Nas the only guy he really hangs out with. But I don't think there are bad relationships uh, with him. I think people will say certain things, but I don't think he's overly disliked. I, I just think there's a bit of a, what's this, what's this guy's deal? Um, but I think there's also a lot of respect for what he's done, especially since the restart in June. I want to pick up on one thing that both of you guys touched on, which I think could be the factor that um, most impacts what Bryson's going to do. This is not profound (laughs) by any means. And I'm going to cite our homie, Justin Ray, who a few days ago put this out. He says, you know, there are 58 players over the last three years with eight or more rounds at Augusta National. And of that group, of those 58 players with eight or more rounds at Augusta National over the last three years, Bryson DeChambeau ranks 58th, which is dead last in strokes gained putting Hmm. per round at the Masters. Now, we have observed, we've watched it with our own eyes, and the, the, the data analysis tells us that he has gotten much, much, much better at putting over the last year. In fact, he was tied for 11th at the U.S. Open. But a lot of folks have talked about the fact that uh, Bryson's going to be deprived of his uh, green reading book so because they don't permit that at the Masters. And I I just am eager to sort of hear your views. 
it's it's kind of fascinating, JB. You know which version of Bryson's putting is going to show up because that's the thing. Even if he only has sixty-five or seventy or seventy-five yards in, a four-footer at Augusta can turn into a twelve-footer, twelve-foot comebacker, unlike any other course really on the planet. Am, am I right about this? Yes, I know from experience last year. <laughs> that's right. You oh know my this. God. This is it. Uh, Humble brag by Joel, Joel Beal, right? I know. Great flex. What was, what was the over-under there? I mentioned that round. It had to be, had to be under. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's a good point. It's a point people have brought up, not only about his putting, but just his track record at Augusta. Um, you know, his, his best finish was as an amateur. Now, he, he did lead this tournament after the first round last year, and it kind of fell apart a little bit. But it's not like he hasn't had success here. It's just not to what we've expected now of a guy who's, you know, in the top five in the world. Um, I do think the profile is uh, of who Bryson DeChambeau is and who he is on the golf course is so much different from the past. It, it does make comparisons tough, uh, and not just off the distance. His putting really has improved, and you know, part of it is everyone's so tantalized by this distance that so that's kind of all we focus on. But his putting at wing foot was really solid and really one of the keys to him winning. So uh, as shaky as he's been at Augusta in the past, even without the green readings book, I don't think it's. I think it's more of a media creation that this is really going to submarine him. I, I think he'll be just fine on the greens. You talked about the Google Earth uh, obsessing that has been done by golf fans for the last couple months as we've watched the course go to brown and then get overseeded and come back. Have they made any significant changes that, I mean, there was the talk of will they move the 13th tee back? It looks like there's space, but probably not this year. Have they made any significant changes to the course as far as you can tell or see or know that are going to change the way this this tournament is played this year? Yeah, the few people we've talked to mentioned nothing that really stood out to them, although I think I saw over the weekend, some, uh, forgive me because I'm not sure who posted it, but somebody mentioned they added a tree on the 13th to try to hopefully cut down guys uh, either cutting the corner or, or just going straight over it. Um, but from at least from what we told the guy who, who or someone that was with Bryson, nothing that stopped him from kind of doing his game plan. So uh, I, I think most of the th- uh, trees you're going to see that are planted are more for the aesthetic rather than any type of strategy in place. I think people are going to see the Augusta National they, they've come to watch over the years. And what soundtrack is CBS going to pipe in? Are they going to do the spring birds or do they have like fake fall birds they're going to pipe in this year? You think it's got to be fall, right? Uh, they get enough calls as this, so you, you got to at least make sure it's seasonal. Okay. I don't, what, what are fall birds? I don't even know what they like. Uh, Wild turkey? The geese flying down from the north? I, I, I did know. not study up on the migration patterns, unfortunately, before the podcast. Let's go from birds to a tiger. How about that for a segue? We've been talking about the Masters now for all of 11 or 12 or 14 minutes, and we haven't mentioned the defending champion by name one time. Let's go ahead and talk about it. I mean, I don't have high hopes. In fact, I have very modest hopes. Um, Help me feel better about what what El Tigre is capable of, JB. Well, if you want to feel better, I think there was a very serious chance that this thing was played in April. He would have missed the Masters. I think. I think we already. Well, not well, obviously a lot has happened since then. But you know, he had pulled out of a few tournaments in the Masters lead-up, including the Players Championship. Uh, I think he would have ultimately played, but clearly in in the late winter, early spring, he was not physically that great. Um, talking to a couple of people over the weekend, it sounds like he's doing okay. Um, he, he feels like you know his game is is actually trending for the right way, but. 
I mean, history, it, it, you really have to have some type of momentum heading into the Masters. It's been really since Trevor Immelman that a guy's kind of come out of nowhere to win. Um, and, and what we've seen from Tiger, not really just the past couple of months, but really the scope of the – since his win. That's, I mean, that was 20 months ago uh, since he won at the Masters. I know he had that win in Japan, and he played pretty well at the President's Cup in December. Um, but, yeah, it, it's he's missed the cut in three of the past five majors. His, his best finish since the June restart was at T37 at Harding Park. Um, you know, it's, if anything, it just kind of gives you more appreciation for what actually happened in 2019, how miraculous it is. Cause this guy is 44 years old. He, he doesn't have a lot left in the tank. Um, I think he could make the weekend. Um, but seeing Tiger in contention, that just seems like a big, big ask right now. So Tiger and Bryson will definitely take most of the air out of the room for the week and the lead up. But underneath those guys, there's some pretty interesting stories. We got DJ and Tony. Uh, who are coming off COVID. Adam Scott coming off COVID. You know, obviously Tony played really well last week, but we don't know how those guys are going to play. As you said, it's it's a little bit of a game of momentum. JT has hung around and played great, but boy, he's looked shaky in some some stretches this year. Rom, can he get his first? How do you think about the next slate of guys who are still in that upper echelon underneath Bryson? And are there any that you see who have that momentum or who you've got your eye on coming in coming into the masters. Well, I mean, my pick, and I, I feel bad. That's not an exciting pick, but it, it's John Rahm. I mean, he's played 18 events in 2020 and he's finished inside the top 10. And I think in half of them, um, he's got a very good track record at Augusta, uh, finished fourth a couple of years ago. And I think just two or three shots, I think three shots back last year. Um, what's really been impressive for Rahm this year is he's kind of figured out how to win ugly. If you look at his victories coming into the year, it was a lot of the 15 under 20 under variety. Uh, but when things got tough, he really wasn't there. Um, but then we saw at the Memorial and BMW this year, he held strong in really brutal conditions. Uh, now, the only real downside to a ROM win, I think you're going to see a, just a wave of, ah, you know, the guy finally controlled him, his emotions. And, uh, you know, I think that's BS. Uh, he's fiery. Yes, it sometimes manifests in bad ways and is directed at the wrong people. But I think this guy has reached the stratosphere that he has despite a fiery disposition. I, I think it's the exact opposite. So. That's the only thing I ask. If if Rom does win, let's just put that on ice. Um, but yeah, Rom's my pick. DJ is going to be the really interesting thing this week because, as you mentioned, he's coming off the COVID uh, the, the COVID result, and got to kind of feel for the guy, or you know, as much as you can feel for a guy who won fifteen million dollars and lives with the supermodel. Uh, you know, had that heater doused a couple of years ago in twenty seventeen by the uh, flight of stairs, and now this. Um, I mean, it was a runner up win, runner up win to end. Uh, last season, then has a T6 at the U.S. Open, and now he, he tested positive. So, um, it, House, you mentioned Finau came back pretty strong at Sherwood, had, had a, I think, T11. Um, mm-hmm. But as we've seen with athletes across the sports landscape, these guys really react across uh, the spectrum in a lot of different ways. So, see, DJ is playing Houston. He's the favorite. I would stay away from that at, at Houston this week. But uh, this week will be really interesting to see how he comes back and is he in shape because if he is, Man, with his track record, I think he's had four straight top tens at, at the Masters, including a runner-up last year. Um, that's kind of what really interests me going in um, to see how it, it is, is his game back or how is he kind of lacking energy? Well, speaking of lacking energy, a guy that Nate and I have been watching pretty uh, attentively and waiting for him to flip the switch is Roy McElroy. And... To his credit, congratulations to him and his wife on the the birth of of uh, their little baby girl. And he he came right back out and has been playing 
you know, uh, in a handful of events, uh, since, since the, the baby girl arrived, he didn't just shut it down. And it seems like he has, um, intentions as it relates to the masters, the, 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 the fabled Lord now of, of his meltdowns at this place and his opportunities, um, that he has himself sort of let pass by as it's well known. We don't need to go through it again. But is there a, a reason? Is there a rationale? Is there a, a storyline here where Rory quietly um, steps into the to this moment and, and grabs it? This is the first time, in, at least in me- recent memory, that he has kind of come in as not only the top two or three storylines for the Masters. Um, in terms of rationale, I would say just look at his track record. Uh, last year's T21 was the first time he hadn't had a top 10 since like 2014. Um, the game is in form at, at wing foot. I followed him around a couple of days. He scored about as bad as he could and still finished P8. So uh, Rory, this is, I know people are wondering, is he snake bit at Augusta? He's only 31 years old. The fact that he's played so well in, in the opportunities he's had, I think, I think he's a guy who's going to win multiple green jackets. Um, and, and if I'm making my list, I think he's right, just right behind Rom. Um, yeah. I, I, the fact that Rory is where he is on the, I think he's 13, 14 and one. I'd snag that up as quick as I can. Well, one guy that we have not talked about yet as we talk about upper echelon guys is Brooks Kepka. And of all the players playing at Houston this week, Brooks seems to have the most to prove because, you know, let's be clear, he wants this tournament badly. And he has been preparing himself in a lot of ways for this tournament through most of the fall. What are you hearing about the status of Brooks's lower extremities uh, again, he treats these injuries like hockey injuries and doesn't totally disclose what he's going through. He's show, Speaking of social media uh, performative art, he's doing a lot these days, which makes you think he's feeling pretty good. He's, he's showing up a lot and, and talking a lot uh, in a good way, in a fun way. Um, but what are, you, what are you hearing about the state of his health? You know, a couple of guys, when he came back at uh, the CJ Cup a couple of weeks ago, uh, everyone said he looked a lot better than what he had um, did uh, at, not only at PGA, but when um, the Wyndham Championship, people said he was really hurting um, that week. So, uh, you know, I'm not usually one to buy into emotional narratives, but you got to think for a guy who's built his entire career off of slights, both real and concocted, uh, seeing his guy he's needled for the past year and Bryson win the U.S. Open, you got to think that's got to light a little bit of a fire behind the guy. That's um, where I'm going. And, and I, I don't think that's, something that we're just talking about for the sake of talking about. I think it's a very real thing. Um, I think there's also a little bit of, to, I think he realizes the PGA smack talk backfired just from people I've told. I don't think he's, he's not sorry he did it, but he just kind of realizes, all right, that, that one's on me. And I don't think he's a guy who it's not going to make him shy away from it. He just wants to prove himself that he still is that guy. Um, kind of, as we mentioned with DJ, this is going to be an interesting week for him at Houston to see if he's physically there. Uh, with Brooks, I think the big thing is just going to be the putter. Um, you know, you can get away with spraying the ball at Augusta, as we all know, but you know, poor, poor putting. That's a, that's a quick out um, for the Masters. And during that stellar run in 2017 and 2018, Brooks was an you know a average putter, um, definitely good when he needed to be, but you know, fairly average across the board. Uh, last year, he was I think 150th or 144th in, in putting, um, and it wasn't much better at Shadow Creek. So uh, to this week, if he can kind of get some momentum on the greens, obviously there's not a lot of correlation uh, between Memorial Park and uh, Augusta National, but just as, if he can get his short game right going, I think it's going to be a big indicator of what we can expect next week. 
Yeah, he knows this course. I mean, he was the advisor on the remodel Mm -hmm. and has a lot invested in this one. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can use this as momentum. There's not a whole lot about this course that's going to feel remotely similar to Augusta, but it will be, he seems to be the guy who, if he's in form, we're going to start talking about him a lot differently related to the Masters than we are this week anyway. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hey, hey, my birdie buddies. Today's episode of Fairway Rollin' brought to us by our good friends at FanDuel. I want to tell you about my new favorite wagering concept this season. They have available on FanDuel on the sportsbook right now, same game parlays. How they work is simple. You combine multiple bets from one game into a single parlay so the payouts are even bigger when you win and FanDuel will refund the first same game parlay that you lose on any NFL game each week up to $10. So you can take 10 bucks and bet a different parlay risk-free every single week. We are coming up on week nine in the NFL. The slate is Juicy. For instance, I'm looking at the total in the Raiders Chargers football game. I already love the over. Justin Herbert has been delivering overs every week for the Chargers. These two offenses are sneaky good. If you want to layer on however many passing yards, you could take the over for passing yards. Justin Herbert, the over for the game. And then if you like a side, maybe you like the Raiders to win outright, play the Raiders money line, play the over for the game, play Justin Herbert yards. That's what I call a full-on same game parlay. As we mentioned with your first single game parlay of the week, you get $10 back if you don't win. 
There is one catch. FanDuel is the only sportsbook app that has the same game parlay. So if you don't already have a FanDuel account, jump in there, download the app, and get yourself going with promo code ROLLIN. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code R-O-L-L-I-N. Little disclaimer for you. You have to be 21 or older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, or Tennessee. The refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days, but that's not a problem because you go ahead and play it again. The max refund is $10. Terms apply. If you have a gambling problem, you can call in Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, you call 1-800-BETS-OFF, B-E-T-S-O-F-F. If you're in Indiana, you can call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Tennessee is T-N-REDLINE, 1-800-889-9789. Or you can visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET if you're in West Virginia. So I want to pick up on our old guy theme. Uh, I want to ask your your, your opinion on a, on, on a couple old guys that I have kind of soft-circled. We know that, that uh, old guys can win because Tiger Woods won this tournament last year. He's the defending champion at age 43 uh, last year. He's 44 now. I wonder under these circumstances where, again, we, we've sort of said that the trend of this fall has been an aberration in what I'm going to characterize as the sort of regular way PGA Tour stops, um, where we've had, you know, winners, all a bunch of winners north of 40 years old. But there are a couple guys still um, that the combination of experience and the form that they're in right now. I'm I'm interested in 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 your opinion of um the the leading contender for me that fits that category is none other than Bubba Watson himself. Yeah, his his T degree numbers have been spectacular and it's coming in hot. Uh personally, I uh I'm not on the Bubba bandwagon. Uh, okay. Just because there are a lot of people on it. I'm not trying to tip it over, I'm just not jumping aboard. Um, but obviously oh, this is the guy. <laughs> there are people on it already. Oh, are there are there ever? Uh, oh, I didn't know. Oh, now I'm off. I'm off of it. But you know, this is, he is a guy who, if you if you look at at his wins, they seem to come with the same exact courses. And obviously, he's got the two wins that I guess also played pretty well last year as well. So uh, this is you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with people jumping on Bubba. Um, and, and clearly, he he's found something that's worked after kind of a rough year year and a half for him. He has found something related to talking about his mental health, it feels like. The more that he has spoken about the journey that he's gone on and been transparent about the struggles that he's had and talked about, you know, he, he talked about his breathing uh, in response to a question of how he played well. And then people sort of chortled, but then he came out with a much broader explanation for how his breathing is really help, helping him deal with his anxiety. I, I've been pretty impressed with, A, the way he's sort of stepped out and been almost a you know a spokesperson for for mental health, but secondly, the way that it, it's clearly liberated the way that he's playing golf right now. Have you uh, a- any insight into r- really how he how he has gone through this journey beyond what we've read? Is there you know Bubba was as you said 
uh, he, he's not always been everybody's favorite player on tour. And some of that, in this guy's case, has been really honestly, clearly, because he's been misunderstood. People haven't really understood who this guy is. Any more insight into the journey that he's been on? Or do you think he's just swinging the club better? No, uh, I think that's something that people around the game, and he's actually, if you kind of go back, he's at least somewhat alluded to it, not as clear-cut as he has in the past couple of weeks. Um, but it's a battle that a lot of people have known he's, he's dealt with. And I think that's why when he's had these kind of you know, I don't want to say controversies, but things he says that kind of startled. There's a, also a little bit of a latitude there because people did at least understand he was battling something. But yeah, I, I think he's kind of seen the culture and realized I need to be more upfront about this. And uh, it's just not lip service. It's something he is dealing with. And it's interesting. He's a guy who, depending on the day and depending on the tournament, says he either loves playing in front of crowds or really likes kind of the peace and quiet. And a couple of guys have actually mentioned if you if you're looking at who would be affected positively by no patrons this year at Augusta? The rookies are the first guys mentioned, but they kind of mentioned Bubba as well as someone who might be able to just kind of go about his business. This might be something that kind of helps his case a little bit. Um, but no, it, I, think, I think it's great that he has been more upfront about not only his battles, but, you know, he, he's trying to take the stigma away from him. And, uh, you know, everything I've heard has been positive that it's, it's really helping not only his, his golf game, but his personal life. House, no fans. Get back on the wagon. What do you mean, get back on the wagon? What wagon can I get on? I, I, I... The bubble wagon. You were on, then you were off. I think you got to get back on it. <laughs> well, I do want to pick up on this no fans thing and the comment you just made, JB, as it relates to rookies. Uh, again, speaking of facts that, that we'll all be beaten over the head with over the next two weeks, you know, no rookie has won here since uh, Fuzzy Zeller back in, what is it, 78? And, uh, you know, there there was properly a great deal of attention and thought um, put into how Colin Morikawa was able to take down the PGA Championship out there in Harding Park, uh, you know, w w w with uh, no, no fans. And he, his own self, talked about how quiet his own mind was uh, down that back nine stretch i'm interested in in your sense of you know whether that's something that will be at play here at augusta will the moment get to these guys because it didn't get to to either morikawa or scotty scheffler out at harding park uh but you know augusta is a whole different ball of wax that's a different church right there brother well, what's your sense of, of how these young guys are sort of, um, you know, likely to to respond? Well, not only those two guys, but I think the, the even bigger name of those is Matthew Wolf. You know, finished P4 at PGA, then runner-up at Wing Foot. And um, you're right, it's a different ball game, but at the same time, having a bit of a runway at the PGA and the U.S. Open to, to, without crowds, it, I think it is a, is, a, is a nice kind of chamber to see how these guys will react. Um Honestly, when I, when I look at the odds, I see Matthew Wolf. I know 33 to 1 doesn't necessarily qualify as a sleeper, but given how his game is trended and how he has performed over the past three or four months, um, I know his iron game might not be quite as strong as we want from some guy, someone to compete at the Masters, but I think Matthew Wolf is a guy who does, is not one for convention. Uh, I think, if anything, he, he takes pride in knowing that he's doing something that he probably shouldn't be doing at his age or his experience. Um, so that's the one guy I could really see being being spurred by without a crowd uh, just because you're right it guys can say it doesn't bother them but once they get into the weekend and they hear those roars it's something else a lot of players have attested to that so um i do think there is something for wolf uh i would also those scotty shuffler in there i think he's a guy for looking at early round picks as a as a you know 50 to 1 60 to 1 um uh 
guy, and I think Sheffield is even 71 as a first round leader. That, that those are odds I really like um, for, for that for that area. Um, Scheffler is someone who again kind of got taken away from the US Open because of a po- positive COVID test, but no one was playing as good as he was from kind of mid-July on. Morikawa, it'll be, you know, his short game worries me a little bit more at Augusta than it has kind of going forward. But um, yeah, I think all these young guys, they have a little bit more of a chance than they would have if the crowds were at Augusta this year. So speaking of crowds and patrons and fans, last week in Bermuda was the first time that the tours had fans on site, albeit in a super limited number. This week in Houston, there's going to be a few on site. We'd actually heard some players might be a little nervous about showing up, but they've gotten through that anxiety. What are you hearing going forward about how the tour's thinking about fans and when we might start to see fans more regularly back on the course? Definitely going to see it a few more times uh, if you know things kind of hold. Um, I think Sea Island would be, would be a good spot to see fans uh, going forward, but uh, they really haven't... In, in, Different tournament officials from events in January and February have kind of already stated their intentions of what they want to do. Uh, but especially given the the rise in numbers the past two weeks, it's been extremely silent uh, the past few days about what you got, what these sermons have going forward. Um, I, I know the tour was galvanized by what they've seen, not only what, what uh, baseball did at the World Series, but what different NFL teams have done. But uh most people are really do not want to want to talk about it and, and, until they get a little bit closer. Um, again, I think if you're looking at other events, Sea Island be the one you can kind of circle as more fans there. But I think the way things are going right now, got everyone's kind of silent on that front. Well, speaking of silent, I don't imagine that the Green Jackets at Augusta are going to permit dead quiet silence because it, it will be just such a, a different um vibe al- already do you have as a person that's physically attending this thing do you have any sort of sense of the parameters of who's going to physically be on the grounds what what the numbers are like are, are you for instance going to be permitted to walk around out on the golf course while the guys are competing and if you wanted to clap some you know for somebody performing well or you're even let out a little cheer are you permitted to do so? Do you have a sense as to how any of that like on the ground ga- game is going to occur? I think if any media member uh, was caught clapping, especially in these circumstances, they'd, they'd be, especially at the Masters too, they'd be pulled out pretty quickly. Um, in terms of who's going to be on the ground, it does sound like there'll be members. I don't think you'll, they'll be on the course, but I've heard two different things from that from two different pretty high up people. So uh, I, you know, there, there's going to be a heavier media contingent than you've seen at other events. Um, from what I've been told, we will be on the course, but they're going to try to keep us out of the camera, which, listen, I, I wouldn't want me on camera either. So I totally get that. Uh, but yeah, I don't think you're going to see as quite as many people. I think if people who watch the U.S. Open were kind of taken aback on Sunday by how many volunteers and, and wing club members were falling around the final groups. I don't think you're going to see that uh, come Master Sunday. Before we get to the Masters, we've got a tournament this week uh, that you know, really moved to this course, JB, because the organizers had to pull it out from the suburbs of Houston where there were no fans showing up, even though they were allowed. And uh, and they moved it to Memorial Park uh, in conjunction with the owner of the Astros, who who was at the center of this tournament and moving it down. And and everyone was excited to have a big old, you know, uh, event that, you know, probably was only second to the Houston Rodeo in terms of big cultural sporting event that people came out to. And since that time, 
We've had the owner of the Houston Astros have to swallow a terrible cheating scandal. We've had the guy who was advising the the course uh, redesign, Brooks, sort of knocked out with injury. And now we got a global pandemic with no fans. So I think there are some good reasons, but why do we care about this tournament this week? Especially because as House pointed out a little bit uh, before we hopped on the pod, Nobody who has won the Houston Open or the week before the Masters has gone on to win the Masters in quite some time. No, I think there are a couple of reasons to watch. Um, there are a lot of big names. We mentioned DJ and Kepka. Um, is going to be playing. Finau is going to be there. Adam Scott, who's also battled COVID. Um, Victor Hovland. Jordan Spieth, which maybe we can get to in a little bit, will be playing. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, this is... Uh, the redstone where they used to play this, uh, you know, they, they try to make it as much as a gust like as possible for these guys to kind of prep, um, however much credence you want to put into that, uh, have you go for it. But, uh, you know, Memorial park, uh, Tom Doak redesigned it with Kepka's input, everything I'm hearing. It's a, it's a fantastic layout. Um, they took a lot of bunkers out, um, to make it a little bit more playable and to get some lies that you wouldn't necessarily see uh, on the PGA tour. Um, but also it is a, just a revival of this event. Um, it was left for dead really in 2016 after a shell pulled out and even really the golf club of Houston pulled out as well. It really didn't have a home. Um, last year it was kind of just a, a one, Oh, well, like a, a goodbye just because this was under renovation. Um, I think fans are going to be really pleasantly surprised that uh, the course laid out before them. Um, but no, I, I think as we just mentioned, just because the historically the past couple of years, guys who've played well here have kind of, struggled to come to Augusta, but, um, you know, there was a, a trend before that where guys who played at least played this week did have success, uh, at the masters. And, um, so many big names are, are here. Even the guy like Jason day, who at 50 to one at the masters is someone who I think is very appealing. Um, just to see a couple of big names, get it, get back into it. You know, Hey, if, uh, if you're a golf fan, I don't know what more you can want. Well, I want to pick up on that name you just mentioned. We can't blow by it and, and act like it, it's a, it's a, it's part of the comedy routine. Jordan Spieth, has a particularly magical touch and a magical experience at and around uh, Augusta National. He's available this week in Houston at 60 to 1. How about that narrative coming into Augusta? He he has been showing s- small green shoots, not enormous green shoots, but he did shoot two rounds uh in the in the 60s to finish out at, at Sherwood. And he finished, you know, and I think he was in the top 30 or so. I know that was a limited field event, but, you know, he's been quietly working uh, and 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 trying to build. He had his dad on his bag at Sherwood. Um, let, let's let's come up with a fantasy scenario for, for, for Jordan Spieth because professional golf is better when, when, when he's competitive. I would just love to have his name be one of the names that we're talking about as we go through uh, the, the upper echelon names right now. Yeah. The, the numbers don't speak to anything going right at the moment. I think he's like 218 <laughs> like 33rd in approach. And yet all the guys I talked to said like, no, he, you know, he's got rid of the two way miss off the tee. Um, the, the iron games looking a lot better. And, you know, I was, that was one of, uh, you know, he's one of the best iron players, iron players in the world just three years ago. Um, it's starting to get closer to that. Um, and the putting's actually improved a lot over the past two or three months. Um, I know next week is what everyone cares about, given his past at Augusta National. Um, but, you know, he is playing. He's a Texas guy. Um, this is a course that's not overly long at, at 7,300 yards, at least by tour standards. Um, and it does roll out fairly well from what I'm told. So 
Uh, if there, when a little wind picks up, he's, he's one of the better wind players out there. It's not inconceivable. Spieth could you know be in contention come Saturday afternoon. I look. We 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 mentioned the stat. Nate Nate just uh, mentioned it. Only one of the last eight Masters champions played the week before. That was Jordan Spieth in 2015, who finished second at the Houston Open in 2015, and then won the Masters in 2015. I mean, it's sixty to one. It feels like it's worth ten bucks. Nate is a, is a Spieth truther. He's been dying for Spieth to be uh, back on on the scene and and you know full Spieth again. So ten bucks, can we do it? I put a little bit more money than that on his forty to one Masters odds. So I'm definitely not going to hold you up here with with the Houston Open. Uh, I, I'm I'm with Nate. I'm a Spieth truther. I, I'll defend him to the death. I really do think the turnaround is, is coming. Uh, and so yeah, I, I, I am not going to cast any aspersions on anyone who wants to buy in buy into Spieth right now. I buy into Spieth every week. It's almost as bad as my Charlie Hoffman <laughs> riding, but I'm 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 off Charlie. But I'll, I'll never I'll never get off Jordan. Two guys who may be uh, a little bit uh, more realistic this week in terms of seeing an interesting performance. I want to ask you about. Um, we we haven't had a defending champion who's beneath the surface playing as well coming back into a, a defending situation as Lanto Griffin in quite some time. He really seemed to take a lot of the spring to, to figure some things out. But, uh, but he won here last year, uh, made, made a great putt on 16, made a great putt on 18, um, coincidentally on top of my brother, to, uh, to win this golf tournament. But he has been playing really well since the startup. So what do you see from Lanto? Should we believe in this? Or is this just a swell of decent play that may not translate into another win? No, because I mean, even before his fall, he, he played pretty well at the PGA Championship um, out in Harding Park as well. And even throughout the year, um, I, I know he didn't quite carry over fall, 2019's fall success to the spring, but as you would watch this guy throughout the summer, you're going, you know, the scores aren't reflecting how he's playing. And uh, definitely, he definitely seems settled in now. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's a journeyman. He, if you uh, know his story, it's incredible that he's even on tour, let alone one of the top 25, 30 players um, on tour over the, over the past 18 months. So, uh, you know, again, obviously we're playing a new course this week, but um, no, I, when I was looking at his odds, I was surprised that we wasn't getting a little bit more love given uh, how he's trending right now. So um, he's yeah. even the guy next week that I wouldn't be totally shocked to see on that Thursday, Friday leaderboard, just because, man, it, he's about as cool as it comes. He, he's very unflappable. And um, yeah, I, he, he's someone who I think in the next couple of years, you're really going to see make a, a breakthrough. Well, there's a lot going on underneath the surface with him, for sure. We saw him fade a little bit uh, at Sherwood. But but he's a, he's an interesting play this week, even though it is a different course. The other guy I wanted to ask you about is Russell Henley. Should we believe what we're seeing with our eyes? Is he really back and playing the kind of quality golf? Because this is a guy who Georgia kid. You get him at Augusta, you know, you could see him actually make a run there. But is this for real, or is this also a little bit of a flash in the pan where he finds the game for a bit and then recedes? I wouldn't say flash in the pan. This is a guy who did a lot of work to kind of overhaul what his swing looked like. And he's kind of dealt with injuries as well. So I think that's, if you look at kind of what happened to Russell Henley over the past three or four years, it's, it was more, that was kind of the spur of it, but um, you know, he's had Houston success as well. Um, and he was some, I think I was another Georgia guy, Hudson Swafford, and they mentioned Henley's the guy I watch out for the next couple of months. Cause he's, yep. he's right now uh, in more ways than one. And if you're looking for someone to really kind of bust through, you know, a guy, a veteran guy, at least um, to really kind of get back to where he was. 
Russell Henley is a pretty good pick. So I, I didn't see what his odds are this week, but man, it's, that's a guy who I think um, he's, he's on the short list of someone to contend this week. He feels, he feels a little Webb Simpson-esque in his revival. We forgot a little bit about him, but he's playing pretty strong right now. Yeah, he's available right now. I see him at 25 to 1, which is a reflection of, of the market thinking you know he's capable of, of pretty damn good things because those are odds that have him inside the top 10 uh, at Houston. Joe Beal... You are about to embark on the trip of a lifetime, a once in a lifetime opportunity to see Augusta National and the Masters competed in the fall like this. Nate and I really cannot contain our jealousy, but I, I will uh, just convey to you Godspeed and, you know, please, please drive slowly. And, you know, if they let you, I don't, you're probably not permitted to take pictures of anything because you're not allowed even even to have your phone on there. But uh, if you can sneak a picture of 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 what they have in the press food or just, you know. Some fall birds. Yeah, they, fall birds, exactly. Please share it with us. We'll keep it in the private collection. I'll, I'll do you one better. If, I, if, if we're allowed somewhere in the camera vicinity, I'll try to wave a pimento cheese sandwich at you. Just not let you know them all well. <laughs> Guys, really appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. Have a safe trip, man. Yeah, we always appreciate it. Thanks, JB. Thanks, guys. All right, my par-saving pals. There you have it. Our thanks, as always, to Joel Beal. Safe travels to the homie on that drive down to, to Augusta. Next week on this podcast, the Fairway Rolling Podcast, as you would expect, we have a show on Monday. We're going to set the stage. We have a show on Wednesday. We're going to give out some picks and try and get some return on investment. And then we will have a show, of course, immediately following the green jacket being slipped onto some shoulders. Nate and I will be reconvened and maybe special guests, who knows, Sunday evening with a reaction to the Masters victory. That's three shows next week for the price of none because you don't pay for this podcast, but you do listen and you do love it. And thank you for your, your uh, uh, attention and love to all of our sponsors. Until next week, my birdie buddies. Let's head them straight out there. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom 
in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.